we, I mean, we are back. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know about these, uh, there was a, there was a number of animal ones that seemed to be on our list for future shows too. And yeah, you were talking about some earlier. I found a fascinating one in my periphery. I hope that we may be doing yet another animal show sometime relatively soon. I know there's a lot on the plate coming up, but yes, uh, some of those sound uh, riveting. I, I am excited for the one that I'm just we're just not even going to say it. We're no, just teasing. Can't. Yeah, it's teasing. Easy. That's what they call that. Um, I'll start us off this week if you don't mind. I do not mind at all. What uh, What do you have? Well, I have a funny one this time called Crocodile Tears. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I've heard this I've heard this phrase. I've never said it. I've never said it either. Yeah. I have a memory of my mother sort of chastising my sister who was crying and saying something like that. Don't stand there with those crocodile tears and you know, what I don't you, know anything. What did you, you know, think? Yeah. To me, I just thought they it meant big tears. If you got a crocodile, yeah, must cry big, gloopy tears. <laughs> That's what tears. I thought it yeah. was. Sure. How about you? I would assume same thing. Some sort of like lizard tears. I don't <laughs> remember when I first heard it, <laughs> but I would. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for some reason, I mean, crocodile rock just keeps playing them in the back of my head. As we're talking about this, which I know that's not the origin, is it? Uh, no, <laughs> Elton John uh, did not have anything to okay, do with it. That's good, but yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what I, what I would have thought. I, I would assume lizard tears, because I would take it literally. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah, and and maybe our listeners are like, "Come on, guys!" <laughs> Probably most of the time, but <laughs> this this. When you tell somebody that or talk about somebody in that way, yeah, you're saying something entirely different. Uh, it is to say, superficial sympathy. It's a false, insincere display of emotion. Okay, but specifically sympathy? No, okay. uh, grief, anything. It's, so it's, it's, it's an insincere display of emotion. Uh, you're acting. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. You're acting. And then it, it really makes me wonder. I have to ask my mother somehow that I can get it out of her without her knowing what I'm... Hey, Mom, what's... You ever use the term crocodile tears? What the heck is that? And see if she knows what she was saying. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't... I don't. Well, she said you said your sister was crying and she thought she was faking her tears. Is that what you're saying? I wonder if my mother... Kn- meant that i see yeah i got you i don't know i don't know i don't know if anybody knows or if it's just me who doesn't know i came to learn well no i i guess well no i did yeah but why crocodile i'm gonna tell you yeah that's the point of this i understand i'm just like i i came to learn i feel like like most things probably as a it was too late in life to learn what it meant not it's never too late to learn everybody But sometimes it feels that way to you personally. <laughs> like, oh, I, I really should have known that, like you, like you said. Oh, yeah. I don't remember when I learned it, though. Sorry. Wait, you knew this? No, I'm saying I don't, I don't know why they're called that, but I don't remember when I learned that they meant fake tears. I did, I did learn that in my life. 
Oh, but you forgot it. No, no, I knew that they meant that. I just don't know why. Oh. Is that what you're saying? Never mind. No, let's move on. <laughs> That's fine. So, <laughs> this phrase, uh, man, it, it it's, let me just, you know, there's an ancient belief that uh, crocodiles cried while eating their prey. Okay. That is sort of the the crux okay. of of this thing but there's there's a lot to it. Yeah. First let me let me say also because you know I'm uh, my ignorance knows no bounds. So I had to double check some other things too and and let me just say it out loud for anyone else who shares my um lack of knowledge. Crocodiles yes. Uh, when their mouth is closed uh, there are usually some big teeth on the side that are visible. They are usually a lighter in color, olive colored or tan colored. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, crocodiles also are not 100% exclusively, but are largely uh, predispositioned to salt water. And crocodiles are also aggressive. They will attack and eat you. The alligator, on the other hand, you can't see their teeth. There's some business about their noses and snouts being shaped differently. Right. But more. Man, I looked at those things over and over, and I'm like, I'm not going to remember this part. One's more pointy and one's more blunt, I think, right? Yeah, which? I want to say the crocodile's more pointy. <laughs> I didn't write that part down. I like, I'm, I'm like, why bother? I'm not going to remember. <laughs> like, if I, I'll That's try to remember these other things. Um, <laughs> gotcha. So the gators, no no teeth are visible. They're gray or black. Um, they are primarily a, a freshwater creature. Mm-hmm. And they're more reserved. They're less likely to attack you uh, just, just to attack you. Just because. I'm going to tell you, just to tell you. Yeah. So th- that's just a little information for everybody. That's who, nice. Yeah. Uh, it's helpful. I, it's helpful to me, I yeah. tell you. All right, so this this fellow, uh, Edward Topsell. Yeah, I don't top know. Topsoil? Top, top sell. <laughs> top it's like sell. your top selling <laughs> item. Yeah. Edward Topsell. Okay. Yeah. He wrote this, this big bit about it. Um, there are not many brute beasts that can weep, but such is the nature of the crocodile that to get a man within his danger, he will sob, sigh, and weep as though he were in extremity, but suddenly he destroyeth him. So this, you will come to learn as I continue this on, is a little bit of a twist of the fact. <laughs> but, um, hey, this was Ed- Edward Topsell's uh, take on it. What year is Edward Topsell giving us his take? Well, I, he's he's way back there in... in um, Shakespearean era. Oh, okay. Yeah. But there there are hints of this that are older, significantly older. Uh, there are some like biblical references about this. There's a collection of proverbs attributed to Pl- Plutarch. 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 I believe is, is how it's said, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And uh, he suggests that the phrase crocodile tears was well known in antiquity, comparing okay. the crocodile's behavior to people who desire to cause the death of someone, but then publicly lament for them. Okay. I like that, too. 
That Plutarch had it going on with making me like stuff. <laughs> you got it going. So, okay, I've never seen a crocodile hunt before. Yeah, you don't want to. No. But, <laughs> if you're seeing that, it may be too late to talk about it later. <laughs> it just sounds like everyone feels the they lure their prey in. Right? Am I am I reading too much into this? Well, that's I'm I'm giving you why we say this and and where all this where all this comes from. Gotcha. But then I'll 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 top it off with here's why everyone thinks that. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um so uh Billy Shakes <laughs> once <laughs> again. <laughs> I mean, we could like he he did it all. Yeah. You want to first put this idea together that there are two two notions of this myth. One of them is that the crocodile cries and acts sort of disconnected and unable to be aggressive mm -hmm. with their tears and emotion yeah. and therefore lures you into a false sense of security mm -hmm. perhaps when you go to console the crocodile <laughs> i don't right, know what you're you, doing over there oh, little guy but then he eats you <laughs> right and then there's this other notion uh. that uh, it's a fake repentance as as I've said, so it's like fake tears. Right, you're eating this thing, like, oh, I feel so bad about it. Yeah, but I'm gonna eat some more I'm of it. Eat it anyway. Later. I'm really sorry. I'm so eating sorry. you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but so so uh, Shakespeare yeah. and Othello has, um, if that the earth could teem with woman's tears, each drop she falls would prove a crocodile. So that's a fake repentance. Mm -hmm. But later in Henry the Sixth, yeah, he uses it in the prey luring way. Gloucester's show beguiles him as the mournful crocodile with sorrow snares relenting passengers. So he's gone ahead and really exploited mm -hmm. this crocodile myth on all fronts yeah. for his color. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. You said that was Henry the Sixth. Henry the Sixth. Yeah, that sounds like Part it. Two, Act Three, Scene One. Ooh. I know. I'm sorry, that sounded familiar. I think we've referenced that one before some somewhere along the ways. As we do with a lot of them. Oh, no no doubt. Yes. Shakespeare. Popular. Very popular. Friend of the pod. <laughs> yeah. But uh <laughs> But so, but but, he, but he's you know late fifteen hundreds, mm -hmm. um, and so uh, fourteen hundreds we have the voyage and travail of Sir John Mondeville, right. circa fourteen hundred. Yeah, John Mondeville. And and I'm gonna I'm man, God bless these people that 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 um, deciphered it and gave you both because it helps you to see oh wow you you really know this stuff. Oh, nice. I'm going to give okay. you both. Yeah. And you'll, That's... you may hate me for the. <laughs> In that country, Ben Gret plenty of crocodile. These serpents slend men, and they etten them whippinage. Saying, In that country, there are many crocodiles. These serpents slay men, and then, weeping, eat them. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. But it has that crazy Eng English that you love. Yes, it's a, it's a favorite. In print, in that way, though, truly, through that time. And, and in 1563, yeah. again, some more. In Archbishop of York, Edmund Grindel. 
1563, I begin to fear lest his humility be a counterfeit humility and his tears, crocodile tears. So this is old, you know, this idea. And that would say uh, Shakespeare read that. Right. 1530s, you said? 1560. Okay, 1560. But still pre-Shakespeare stuff. Right. But here's the real truth of it. Okay. The biology is the story. Uh, If you see a crocodile eating, you see him on land. And they might rather grab prey and drag them into the water but then you wouldn't really take much of that in and you couldn't tell tears from water around the crocodile but (laughs) is he crying in there i don't know (laughs) well there's two things yeah you don't know right the the crocodile a if if they're out of the water for too long they have tear ducts that secrete fluid for their eyes so that they well i mean it's like it's like your own personal visine no you gotta yeah right this is the thing i need up on the land here keep my eyes going yeah yeah (laughs) they got a little pump built in nice they yeah they do like like your back windshield washer on your car or whatever (laughs) but there's also a, a strange part of their anatomy that actually does cause because of some facial nerve uh cause them to shed some tears while they're eating so you, you're seeing that, yeah. and and you think they're crying. They're not. They don't, I mean, we don't think they care. Maybe they do. I'm not saying they they aren't capable of some sort of feeling. We don't know. But yeah, we don't know. I but guess. they're not crying. Yeah. It, it's it's just biology. The anatomy is pushing tears out of their eyes. Yeah. While they're eating. I have never seen this. I have to look this up. Yeah, there's uh, there was a big study even this guy Malcolm Shainer, um, in 2006, the neur- neurologist. Yeah, and he did a complete study on it, and s- five out of seven of his crocodiles, when then he didn't feed them people, <laughs> but he fed them some sort of big dog Normal biscuit crocodile, crocodile biscuit food. foods. Yeah, five out of seven uh, shed tears when eating them. Uh, yeah. And uh, wow. So, so way back when, yeah. Uh, if your buddy got attacked or whatever, <laughs> and you watched him get eaten, right. you'd see the crocodile cry. It'd be pretty impacting on you, and go, "Wow, man, that was horrible." A, and then B, the dude who ate him cried about it. I am affected for life. I don't I'm going to go back and tell people. I need to process this. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. What? The so heck? that had a good reason, huh? For people, and we're talking I mean, about in so... a time when they thought the world was flat. So you're going to think the crocodile cried from eating Joe. Yeah, yeah. You see it happening. That's the direct relation of it. Yeah. Wow. So a, I never even knew that it meant false sincerity or whatever. Uh, and b. It has a whole bunch of junk behind it. I have to look that up. I want to see that. Oh, yeah. That study was in 2006, so I I did not look that up, but there should be video somewhere. I mean, hopefully you can just see in the wild. I want to catch a... I mean, not catch one, but see it. Someone else has caught it on on video. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm an indoor kid. Come on. Yeah. 
But that sounds, I did not know that. And that sounds like something that I would really want to know. I'm very Wild, wacky stuff. (laughs) I'm very glad that you did that. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, somewhat enlightening. Huh. Wow, nice. Yeah. What's your animal? Uh, I am doing dog eat dog. Oh, man. Yeah, so that was the one that growls that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. The animal that growls. I, I've met people that go, go ahead, you know, you're going to say it. What's that? You're going to say it. Doggy dog? Yeah. I, w- I wasn't, like I have it in there, but I was just going to, I was just going to do that. Basically, just like, it comes from doggy dog. <laughs> I've seen people write that and I went, dude, what? It is a phrase that has taken on its own life. Because. It is up to us to do that in the future as well. Stop that sort of thing from happening? No, it's up to us to do that phrase. I'm saying I'm I'm just gonna mention that it exists and then we will touch on it later. Okay. At some future us, perhaps. Yeah. We could. That's all. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it came from Doggy Dog. From Snoop Doggy Dog, basically. <laughs> I, I just would not have bought that. No, I sure, but it's a thing we try. Well, you do it much better than I do. No, I, I yeah. You know, we we try. <laughs> <laughs> Too much of our listeners' annoyance. Well, I think they they stopped already. Yeah. Uh, doggy dog, using it to mean selfish, ruthless. How's that? How's that feel? Uh, ruthless. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a dog eat dog world. That's generally how we hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, a hundred percent of the time, right? I mean, do you hear it any other way? With without world, <laughs> I mean, I I believe I have or I have used it. Outside of world, it's doggy dog out there. Yeah, I mean, but yes, exactly. It is. It's tied to world. Yeah, it it refers to more than cannibal dog cannibalism. (laughs) Sorry, right, everybody. No, yeah. (laughs) Um, according to the Dictionary of Americanisms, this phrase is from the American frontier, first recorded in 1834, and it means, like we said, ruthless competition with no holds barred, everyone for themselves. I. The no holds barred thing was also probably later in my life when I learned that it wasn't holes barred. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of those things, you know? Yeah, no. Um, But the metaphor goes way farther back in what I found than the American frontier uh, in 1834 (laughs) to to ancient Rome. Um, We're talking 116 to 27 BCE, the life of... uh, Marcus Terentius Veros, who was wow. Rome's greatest scholar and satirist of stature. That, that's a new one. Yes, this is from wordorigins.org. Um, he, his piece, De, De Lingua Latina, Latina, sorry, De Lingua Latina, mm-hmm. uh, has a phrase in it, canis canam non est, which says, dog does not eat dog. Oh. And he's using this in the context to mean that animals carry some better traits than human beings and that they don't generally prey on one another just for the sake of preying on one another, as we do. Yeah. There's scuffles and and hierarchies and things, but not like we do. Yeah. Um, So he's using, and this is, you know, again, ancient Rome. (laughs) Right. Um. Then we 
sort of get there from translations, uh, the English translation in 1533 of Erasmus' essay on war known as the Bellum Erasmi. <laughs> yeah. Um, in this original Latin work, it uh, said it had translations and printings throughout Europe so people could get their hands on this. Um, and it's translated for me in our favorite Middle English. Yes. Um, nor is it not the nature of all wild beasts to fight, for some are harmless as does and hares, but they that are the most fierce of all, as lions, wolves, and tigers, do not make war among themselves as we do. One dog eateth not another. The lions, though they be fierce and cruel, yet they fight not among themselves. And it's yeah. written in all the ways it's supposed to be written. It's kind of I saying the it. same thing. Basically, exactly. The, 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 we're still in this phase of um, dogs don't eat dogs. They're they're better than that. Animals don't attack other animals. Guys, get your head get your heads together. You know that's what they're telling us. Yeah, they're they're trying to say look to the animals yeah. for uh, intelligence and right. behavior. See see how they work together mm-hmm. to accomplish great things. Yeah. So uh, that's 1530s. You know, still pretty not the 1834 frontier. I don't know Dictionary of Americanisms. I'm just you know whatever. Um, <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, this basically carries through the idea of dogs don't eat dogs. They, you know, carries through, and it sounds like in the 1730s, this is from uh, our also friend of the pod, Christine Ammer, from her American Heritage Dictionary of Idioms. Um, uh, in the 1730s, a Thomas Fuller quote in his work, Nomologia, G N O M O L O G I A. I think I said it right. Yeah, that's good. Um, the quote is, dogs are hard drove when they eat dogs, which kind of takes it, okay, dogs don't eat dogs unless They're pushed to reason. their brink. Right. Yeah. Which I think is a nice bridge to the modern usage, you know? It acts as a nice bridge to get us to yeah, there. Oh, yeah. It's, it's right there. Yeah. It, it, so basically, that's 1730s. Later in the 1730s, um, a satirist publication, the Grub Street Journal, basically uses the phrase, they're talking about two lawyers. Yesterday, a noted solicitor was committed to Newgate for robbing a fellow solicitor of a promissory note. What dog eat dog? That's what the, the joke is. Referring to lawyers as dogs in this one, you know, the solicitors, they're lawyers. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And then a few decades later, a U.S. paper copies their satirist idea of dog eat dog. And a headline appears in the Pittsburgh Gazette of Ooh. November 5th, 1816. Wow. <laughs> uh, dog eat dog or lawsuit about nothing. Dwayne versus Bins for defamation of character. Just a, you know, it's supposed to be gags about lawyers suing each other. Ah. Same thing. They, they use the same gag about lawyers fighting each other. Yeah. Or suing each other. So that's 1816 with the Pittsburgh Gazette. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have an H then? Yeah, we have an H. There's yeah. no, it's not post-Gazette yet. It's just Pittsburgh Gazette. Well, we had an H and then it went away, then it got back again. Oh, I... But that's another story. H, yeah. Yeah. We have our H. We have the H, at least in the quote that I took. And then in 1858, we get another usage of British poet Thomas Gray basically kind of takes it back to the original usage. I cannot promise any special instructions and shall take no fee. Dog does not eat dog is the saying, you know. He's like, guys, remember? This is what it's supposed to be. <laughs> 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 yeah, so the sense of the, the Erasmus quote and the earlier Latin sayings and that, that Thomas Fuller quote 
are kind of all the same effect. Like we said, the, the dog eating a dog is not normal. And if they are doing that, clearly something has gone awry. Yeah. Um, but in our human figurative sense, like we said, it's a dog-eat-dog world. Uh, it, it presents this reality of dogs eating dogs out of necessity, like as an essential aspect of reality or normal states of being essentially but in, um, in the saying though we are the dogs right the dogs exactly. still aren't eating dogs we are eating we people. are the dog right yeah. we are we are the we like it's a and what do you say prescient moment where you understand something <laughs> you look at yourself in the mirror yeah <laughs> yeah uh basically and uh, you know they the original usages are, are are pretty staunchly opposite in that but we have we have taken it and we see it in a different way. Still, all that being said, people are sticking to the frontier origins and the and uncertain origins as well. Again, I mean, uh, we've been finding that a lot, and 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 we do explore lots of different resources. So, yes, we owe Christine and more a box of chocolates or something. But oh, we yeah. also dig in the books and do all sorts of things. So yeah. I don't know why some of those, you know, like some of, of recent ones that we've done just seem to come up empty or some resources say there's no answer. And then you look over here and go, there, here's the answer. Yeah, there's an there's answer. I mean, this one, the, where I got this, this was not hers. Uh, this was the Dictionary of Americanisms. Wow. No, but she was so in, your, in your research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be they're saying this is where it cropped up in America first. Yeah. 1834, I guess. But they're really, that's not when it started. No. Friends at the uh, Dictionary of Americanisms. <laughs> and also, um, more, of, more of my ignorance, and I think, you know, Rebecca brought it up in the last couple of weeks, we were talking at one point, the three of us, and I don't know, I, I knew the what, I knew the how, but I didn't and don't know the when. So when, when the domesticated dog, when did it, when did it, you think of it and call it a dog? Oh, when did we decide to translate it from, trans, yeah, translate it from a wolf to a dog? Right, yeah. We should do that one. That's, that's interesting. But, you know, with you bringing up some of those very old pieces uh, yeah. that, uh, of, of research that pointed to dog, uh, you know, were they calling the wolves dogs or were they already a domesticated I animal? think we were well into domestication by then. I, feel, I don't know specific numbers and I'm just the guy, but I feel like we've had wolves by our side since we started like... Uh, having camps and foods and things like that, you know, to yeah. cast off. But again, I'm just a guy. Yeah. So we'll have to look more into that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Rebecca and our adverts have the answer. Allswell believes in the power of a good night's sleep for all. Their products feature innovative technology and unbelievable comfort and support without deflating your wallet. Combining the best of both worlds, the Allswell features hybrid mattress technology with memory foam and individually wrapped coils for a winning blend of comfort and support. Follow the link in the show notes for financing as low as 0%, a 100-night risk-free trial, free shipping and returns, and a 10-year limited warranty designed to make good sleep accessible to all. Real luxury, unreal prices. Allswellhome.com 
whole nine yards is sponsored by the Roberto Clemente Museum. Located in a restored engine house in Pittsburgh's revitalized Lawrenceville neighborhood, the Clemente Museum is a showcase of the largest exhibited collection of baseball artifacts, works of art, literature, photographs, and memorabilia related to Roberto Clemente and his life in baseball. Shop the store for clothing and other items featuring the iconic 21 logo and purchase tour tickets for the museum at clemenemuseum.com. Enter promo code W9Y21 for a 10% discount on hats and tees. That's clemenemuseum.com, promo code W9Y21. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award-winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post-production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at bigsciencemusic.com. That's bigsciencemusic.com. Yeah, more animals. Grr animals. Well, yeah. Uh, whole nine yards. We're going to get sued? By yeah. animals. Sorry. No, well, they're not going to. Okay. I mean, why don't, you know. Hopefully. I said another product in the first part of the show. I don't remember what it was. But I remember saying it and saying, hmm. hey, they're not paying us. <laughs> With the bleep it out. Boop. <laughs> I think it was an aspirin product or something. I can't remember. Hmm. In any event... Anyhow. I know. What's your latest animal? Well, I have... Uh, 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 cat's meow. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. Well, and... The cat's meow. That jacket is the cat's meow. Why, thank you. Yeah. I sewed the patches on myself. Someone or something wonderful or remarkable lovely slang yeah mm-hmm. that seems yeah yeah this is um that's remarkable it is i'll paint you this one in going first through some uses and and for one thing 1924 it's amazing like they know there's a lost silent film oh uh short mm-hmm. starring harry langdon called the cat's meow 1924 oh Lost in like a fire or something? They well, don't say, film, I mean, but we've lost a lot of them. Not very uh, like shelf stable from what I gather, those old films. Oh, yeah, and we just had that huge MGM fire a few years well, ago. Yeah. We lost probably <laughs> more than we know, stuff than we know about. <laughs> yeah. Ha. Almost like the library at Alexandria. That too. Ha. Right, with Guy Face. Um, it was also... Well, an episode of the Batman TV series in 1966, Cat's what? Meow. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay. What's more? I've heard that phrase a lot lately. A Cat's Meow 1930 film, A Crazy Cat, Those Are Both K's, animated film. Oh, okay. And a 1987 painting by Willem de Kooning. I know. Titled The Cat's Meow. The Cat's Meow. Is it the Hang In There Cat poster? Right. Uh, he has is he a, the black uh, and white guy. The the no the stick figure people. No, no. That's okay. a, you're thinking of what's his face Herring <laughs> with the lines shooting out of stuff. Yeah. Keith Herring. You're thinking of. Oh, I was close, kind of. Yeah, because of the K and the, and the ing. ing. <laughs> yeah, 
but totally different styles. <laughs> but so yeah, embarrassed. but same era really though. So, um, <laughs> and then also a 2001 movie, which I might have to look up because Kirsten Dunst is in it. Okay. Uh, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Oh. I'm, I don't know this film. It's probably corny, but I'll... The Cat's Meow. Yep. Gotcha. Let me check it out. I've been. I, I've seen like a couple of more interesting. That one, Kirsten Dunst, one I told you guys about, was an arty, yeah. cool piece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Recent, well, she's done a couple. She well, yeah, Mon Paul, yeah. and she I mean, did yeah, that... this other new one I forget the name of. Yeah, so I've told you that. Yeah. Now I'm going to do a, you know, one of those big camera pan, whoosh, over to the other side of things and tell you about a fellow, Thomas Aloysius Dorgan. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so this fellow that came to be known as Tad, Tad, Tad Dorgan. Tad Dorgan. I found to be, you know, his initials are right. T-A-D. Right. And he took that. As his first name, right. so it's sort of like Tad Dorgan Dorgan. It's right. like I or something, you know. You're adding two Dorgans, yeah. Right. He's, he's come up before. Well, he's come up before. Yeah. But as a child, uh, young Tad. I don't know if they called him Tad when he was young or if that's a. Anyway, probably um, not. He hurt one of his hands. Now there are multiple descriptions. And uh, debates about which hand was injured and oh. how badly. Okay. But we only have a picture of his face. It seems we don't have a picture of his hands. Yeah. I would have thought, you know, because of how people that even if we had a full body picture, he'd have hit his right. hands. But we don't have. We don't know. Yeah. But he hurt one of his hands, and uh, so as a kid, they say as a form of sort of therapy he started drawing oh, okay. and he drew uh cartoons and for his time he must have been pretty talented at it because hell i'm just gonna tell you <laughs> okay <laughs> so he got a job okay uh, but the but the funny thing and, and we're going to need to actually do uh one on rube goldberg because rube goldberg is usually you know it, that that thing you know yes something more complicated than it needs to be machine kind yeah. of thing or something yeah. right so but tad went to school with rube goldberg oh nice okay and he ended up getting a job at the san francisco bulletin uh on the art staff since he was uh, he, he had talent this way what year do you have the year on that bad boy uh, it would have been uh late 1800s okay that he was at the San Francisco Bulletin. Gotcha. Because then not long after, uh, New York Journal hired him in 1902, and they hired Rube Goldberg. Nice. And some other folks, Robert Ripley and, and, and others, uh, as a sports cartoonist and reporter. So Okay. Yeah, it's an odd combination of... <laughs> I didn't, of, I didn't uh, know that's how they started. <laughs> right. Just like, hey, you're hired, do stuff. We need a guy to do stuff yeah like you, we got two jobs to fill buddy and you're doing them both you're doing them both and apparently as gonna, a yeah. sports reporter yeah he was pretty good all right and uh so he he did he did a lot of uh covering of boxing uh covered jack dempsey fights all all kinds of things and and he liked it yeah uh and also did a lot of uh illustrations for that but he ended up 
back at sort of his his favorite thing simultaneously, which was which was doing these these little cartoons. And if you search online, uh, you'll find tons of them. Yeah, Tad Dorgan originals. Tad Dorgan originals, and 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 many are scans of original oh. art and uh, of original newspapers. Yeah, I, I I read I read a lot of them till my <laughs> eyeballs hurt. Uh, they are not greatly amusing to us today. Let me just say that they sort of seem to have like uh, uh, they had you know they had their time mm-hmm. and and their nuance observational nuance had to do with that moment with that specific time right yeah i got you (laughs) and and we're no longer in that moment so um but you know it's that thing where people say well uh, you know uh, so and so that wasn't wasn't so great look what we have now and you go yeah but that person did it first that yeah that's the heavy lifting you doing a cover song of it is nothing right but i digress <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, anyway he he d- did these books well, aside from doing comic strips he did uh books of comics he he had a a series of uh, this judge rummy which is sort of like a a drunken judge uh who you know dealt with all kind of uh cases and townspeople and um like a magistrate <laughs> yeah yeah Another uh, set called Daffy Dills, Silk Hat, Harry's Divorce Suit, a lot of different things. Yeah. In the in the cartoons that I read and saw, I couldn't necessarily tie a thread together. I, I could recognize Rummy and this other character he had, Bunk, who I thought was a cat, might be a dog. Or I thought was a dog, might be a cat. <laughs> I don't, you know, but yeah. anyway. Yeah, they don't have like a thread running through them weekly, so they're not serial. Is that what you're saying? They're just more yeah. single cartoons. But why do I tell you all this about about young Tad and then adult Tad? Um, <laughs> Tad Pole, the Tad man. <laughs> hey, I wonder if he got some of that. Oh, he had I mean, to. Yeah. It, it depends on office. when he gave him if he gave himself that nickname. That would that would factor in a lot in my estimation. Tad Pole or Tad? Tad, if Tad gave himself the nickname Tad. I think he did, because he signed his things, T-A-D, in yeah. the corner. I mean, not know? that it's a nickname. It's your initials. So I guess that's not really like giving yourself a nickname. Right. If he started him. signing it Tad, and then people just started referring to him as Tad. Tad. So then you were Tad. After that, an endearment would be Tadpole, probably. T-A Dorgan Dorgan, yeah. <laughs> Which you ended up. <laughs> but why do we know so much about Tad Man? <laughs> yeah, why indeed. Well... This was a frustrating quest for me. Oh. Um, many of the 300-pound books you'd open or the websites and, and resources uh, all say that Tad Dorgan coined Cat's Meow. Oh. But none of them, nobody, nada, will show you where, <laughs> when. And... Uh, yeah, and that was uh, greatly sad to me. That's oh man. Uh, they also say he coined for crying out loud, huh. cat's pajamas, <laughs> dumbbell, dumbbell, yeah. hard boiled. Oh. In, in terms of somebody's like a guy's tough, he's hard boiled. Oh, okay. Drugstore cowboy and a number of other things. Uh, yes, we have no bananas even, which 
They mm-hmm. say he coined and was later turned into that song. Oh, we always well, we thought the song, song was the yeah, yeah. So uh, there was also arguments that he that he coined the phrase or termed a hot dog, a hot dog. That has been disputed, and he probably did not. Like saying hot dog or the food hot dog, uh, the food hot dog, calling oh. that wiener in a bun <laughs> or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So right, but people. I remember it from It's a Wonderful Life. The young George Bailey would say that as a kid. And he was supposed to be alive, I guess, in the 20s. Mm-hmm. So he was, hot dog, he, you know, if something was good or whatever. But that's why I tell you this. I went as far as to purchase Tad, a collection of <laughs> cartoons nice. by Thomas Aloysius Dorgan. <laughs> awesome. 1877 to 1929 in hopes that it's in there and if it is dear readers uh i should have it right we'll have it before this goes to air oh nice and we'll put it in all of the materials but he coined it everyone says he coined it i yet have the exact proof and or um once we do it's up to us to put it out there yeah it sure is we will tag that metadata it up. Cat's yeah. meow. Tad Dorgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tad we'll Dorgan fix. Dorgan. That's what we're, we're helping. I hope. We're uh, part of the solution, hopefully. Yeah. Or we'll just put up some some of his random ones. <laughs> Sweet. So we what do get, you have there? We gotta grow through those archives. Um Elephant in the Room. Because that's yeah. not that's not an elephant in the room. I I wanna address that. Uh which we used to kind of refer to something unpleasant that everyone knows about and can see but nobody wants to acknowledge nobody yeah yeah sort of just turn a blind eye to it Uh let's can't someone else do it is the homer simpson garbage man quote yeah he becomes the uh, sanitation officer oh certainly can't someone else do it um yeah so the elephant in the room uh, 1935 Broadway musical Jumbo, in which a man stopped by a cop. This is just a scene of the movie or the pl- pl- musical. Guy stopped by a cop while leading the live elephant across the stage. What are you doing with that elephant? The policeman asks. What elephant? The guy responds. There you go. What? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not good at the joke ones. Um, that that is a real musical, Jumbo. All right. And there's trivia behind that as well um the oed says that the first recorded use of this is in the new york times in uh june 1959 oh that soon well they're saying the first recorded use of this phrase of the elephant in the room but yes financing schools has become a problem about equal to having an elephant in the living room it's so big you just can't ignore it Hmm. another I guess later, but I mean, obviously, since we're sort of close to recent times, another citation uh, where the usage sort of hits a little closer to the current understanding, I guess. Not not that the ignoring the elephant of financing schools isn't a problem that everyone's ignoring, but this one kind of brings it to a more, well, I'll just say, the phrase from the title of Tippo and Hastings' book, An Elephant in the Living Room, A Leader's Guide for Helping Children of Alcoholics which was in 1984. I don't know, I saw that people postulate that it's possible that this book sort of attaches the idiom 
uh, to addiction recovery terminology to describe, you know, basically this, that, the reluctance of family and friends to kind of discuss people's problems to help them out, which is, you know, I think we hear in that context a lot. I have, I guess, you know what I mean? Right. But it, that's, I mean, there's not much difference in the, in the usage from that 1959. No, it just, it seems a little more weighty, I guess. Right. But it's the same uh, uh, implication. Yeah. There's a problem and we're ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like I said, it's not the, well, I didn't say. It's not the 1935 elephant film jumbo. No. Elephant musical jumbo that was later turned into a film starring Jimmy Durante. This is going to take us back to the early 1800s. A Russian author, Ivan Krylov, I saw, in hmm. 1814. He writes a short, very short story titled An Inquisitive Man. And I'm just going to paraphrase it. The man meets a friend on the street as he's going by. The friend says, hey, how's it going? The man says, oh, it's great. I just came from the Natural History Museum. I, I spent hours there. I, I saw everything and looked at it all closely and examined it. And it was so cool, like all the stuff that we've seen. I, I can't even describe most of it. Nature is so is so wonderful. Like there's birds and beasts, but there's butterflies and dragonflies and beetles and the colors of the beetles and the tiny gnats and tiny things and look how cool these are. Some of them are even smaller than the head of a pin. Uh, And the friend says, and of course you saw the elephant. What did you think of that? And the man says, elephant? Are you sure they have an elephant? And the friend says, quite sure. And the man says, well, I don't tell anybody, but I I didn't even notice the elephant was there. Later on, I guess Dostoevsky actually references his fellow uh, author's story in a so I looked it up. I didn't. I couldn't find a copy of it for free, so I didn't read it yet. But Demons, I have it on order as well. Belinsky was just like Krylov's inquisitive man who didn't notice the elephant in the museum. And our, you know, our re- hopefully new friend Mark Twain writes a story in 1882, The Stolen White Elephant, which uh, talks about the ineptitude of two detectives trying to find an elephant that was right there in front of them, basically. They're tracking something that they that's right in front of them. But there's a little different connotation in these older ones. It's almost like an ob- oblivion. It, this is all I, these exactly the, the the earlier idea. I think it's almost like a forest, or the, you're you're paying attention to the trees, not the forest. Yeah. The opposite of it. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And then and then it becomes to something that you don't notice, right? To something that you choose to not notice. Choose and exactly, yeah. That's our that's our trip. That's the trip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I was hoping when you said 1959, or at least I couldn't believe that it was only that yeah. old. It had to have roots further back that clearly morphed between those. You know, morphed along. Again, I mean, authors like you, like we have come to discover that they really, you know, they influence our language. Oh, they're yoinkers too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe they read something, they're like, "Oh, that was great." I'm gonna, eat. and it's a reference that people grasp, and I can, yeah, it just adds more richness to it. But I, I guess, especially before, I mean, people do it in music and films all all the time, like mm-hmm. faster than you could keep up with. But then it was just plays and books. So. um well, yeah, art, art as yeah. well, yeah, yeah. But it was a little slower of a of an evolution mm-hmm. and a and a yoinkery. <laughs> <laughs> I read it and you're like, oh, nice, that was nice. Take that in, huh? 
yeah, we had that with Skeleton in the Closet and lots of places we had that uh, literary evolutions of, of those sort of phrases. Yeah, exactly. Eh, you know, it makes sense. We're reading what they've got to say because they're the ones giving it, giving us the entertainment and the thoughts. Like X, <laughs> R.I.P., giving it to you. Yeah, that opened up two more for us, though. The Jumbo and then another one I'm not going to even mention. Yeah, yeah, and then I have Rube Goldberg laying there yeah, from, be nice. from in there. So jot them down. And uh, all of our friendly listeners out there, hi. Hey, hi. Would, you, uh, would you get a hold of us, tell us things? Yeah. Uh, ask us things? What's your favorite Rube Goldberg device? I mean, anything. What phrase can we do for you? Or correct us on some stuff we got wrong. <laughs> Always. Doubt that there's please, any of those. Please do. How do we do it? Uh, you can get to us at Whole Nine Yards Pod. And nine is a number. On Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. Whole Nine Yards Pod. And Whole Nine Yards Podcast on Facebook. Whole Nine Yards Podcast Facebook. See, this time I repeated you. That's nice. It yeah. just reinforces it. Yeah. Now it's a part of us all. It's a part yeah, of us all. like that... Damn insurance all. commercial. <laughs> all right, then. Uh, it's going to be great. Yeah. And I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. We're, We're not, not idioms. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at whole9yards.org. That's heyyou at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.